God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Christ Place. Here's Pastor Rick Lorimer. It's good seeing everybody. We are in the last weekend of our Hashtag Relationship Goals series. And you're going to find in your programs, the title for this weekend is When Offense Comes. When Offense Comes. And and I, I kind of had to live in this. By the way, this is not to, to tell you this is the right way or, or the... I, I'm not trying to push my convictions on you. Wendy and I, on Halloween night, we choose to, when, when possible, we choose to be home. We choose to have our lights on. We choose to greet the kids. We choose to try to get to know our neighbors. It's just, it's just us. We feel like we can be a light in the midst of sometimes a very dark uh, festival. It's not always. For a lot of people, they don't understand the darkness associated with it. But that's just what we choose to do. So we do that. We turn our lights on. We're there. We're handing out candy. And here's the thing about my wife. My wife is like generosity on steroids. So if you come to our house, I mean, if you're a kid and you come to our house, man, if I was an adult and I'm you, I'd come to our house. So anyway, and just come with a pillowcase because here's what my wife does. She grabs out of this bowl, hands full of candy, and she goes, here you go. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, we got two hours left to go. And so I'm getting a little bit bothered, and I'm trying to coach her, but she doesn't like me coaching her uh, necessarily. Uh, imagine that. And so we're kind of pinging off each other. And you guys, I get offended. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm kind of a systems guy. I want to make sure it's flowing, make sure we have enough and be balanced. I'm okay with being generous, but I don't like to be obnoxious. And so they don't need that much sugar anyway. So I mean, I'm, I'm, this is kind of how I'm thinking. I actually get offended. Now, later on in the evening... I'm trying to recall specifics why I got offended, and I really couldn't, and it made me laugh. I, I thought it was funny. Wendy didn't, but I thought it was funny. Um, but isn't it crazy how easily offended we get? Now, what I, now looking back, I know I was extra tired. Um, I had started some, some medicine, and I, I think my body was trying to react. Was, I just was tired. I'm not trying to spin it or make an excuse for being offended or, or acting the way I did, but I was tired. And here's what I know right now for many of us in the room, and I know for our country as a whole, we're weary. I mean, we, we're weary. We're, we're more irritable than normal. We find ourselves having a short fuse. We find ourselves becoming not only uh, extremely offended, but easily offended. Uh, I heard one preacher go so far as to say, victimhood has gone viral. That he went on, as Pastor Robert Madu, he said this, he said this, we no longer live in the United States of America, we live in the United States of offense. And I don't know that I'd go quite that far, but I would say, you know what? It feels that way sometimes. It feels like we're, everybody is perpetually offended about something. It used to be if you were easily offended, it was, a, it was an indicator of a character flaw or that you were emotionally immature. But today, it's like a constitutional right. And people are finding different tribes to hang out with, whether it's in their politics or their families or taking sides. And, and this whole idea of cancel culture, this idea I'm going to cancel someone all the means I'm not just going to disagree with them, I'm going to obliterate them because they offended me. This is the day and age we live. I mean, men are offended, women are offended, millennials are offended. Millennials are always offended. I mean... <laughs> Baby boomers are offended, Democrats are offended, Republicans are offended, the atheists are offended, PETA's offended, oh my goodness, Christians are offended. And by the way, this message was prepared months ago. This is subject matter was months ago. So if anybody's thinking I'm trying to speak to something that maybe was uh, referred to last week, this is like, this has been something that God laid on our heart months ago. And you know, while, while I, I, I do think that, I, I don't think people necessarily, there's more offense going on, I, I think we're more sensitive to offense. 
And I don't think that's all bad. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm glad for those who some have, there are people in our community that have felt marginalized. There are people in our community who have felt like they've never had a voice. And in this culture now, there has been a, a, a freedom in some ways to voice hurts, to voice concerns. And so to some degree, I'm really glad that we're more open, we're more honest. What I don't necessarily like is for Christ followers to live in a world of offense in a way that it, it cripples who you are, it handicaps who you can be as a believer. Um, there's this hallmark of Christianity that, that we, we tend to not always uh, build the foundation of our relationships from, but it, it's, it's, it's a hallmark of who we are in Christ, and it's called, say with me, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, this world of offense, and we have this secret weapon called forgiveness. There's a story in the Old Testament about these two brothers named Jacob and Esau. And, and it's a great story because it shows you how family dynamics, you know, the, more, the closer you are to people, the, the easier it is to, for hurt to go really deep. And with Jacob and Esau, Jacob basically manipulated Esau, his older brother, uh, to gain his birthright. And then he deceived his blind father to actually get Esau's blessing. And that was a big deal in that culture. If you got the blessing as the oldest in the family, you received a double portion of the inheritance. Um, it was an honor. And you wanted your father's covering. You wanted that blessing. And Jacob, man, deceived his own dad, basically ripped off his brother and got that blessing. And it did something in Esau's heart. It, 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 and it's, it's happened with all of us, I think when we've been deeply hurt by someone we thought we could trust, um, bitterness began to grow in him and it grew to a hatred. And this is why Jesus even says, if you have anger in your heart, it's as bad as committing murder because in your heart, you're going places that, that is so unhealthy. So I wanna read you what happened with this bitterness in Esau's heart. We're just gonna take one verse in Genesis chapter 27 to show you this. So you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 27. We love the word. Um, but then I want to go to a New Testament passage that brings this story back up. Look how this is articulated in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41. And Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. I will kill my brother Jacob. Real bitterness and family conflicts are as old as humanity. And in Esau's eyes, Jacob robbed him of what he deserved. He wanted that blessing. He wanted that covering. I mean, theft, let's be honest, theft and betrayal are hard, regardless of who they come from. But it's even harder when it comes from someone you love or you thought you loved or you thought loved you. And I want us to see something here because a lot of people will give Esau a hard time. But, but in truth, most people I've ever had the privilege and honor to, to help navigate through a season when they're wrestling with bitterness. Here's what I found, that bitter people usually have good reasons for their bitterness. So as we're talking about offense, I don't want you to ever hear me say I'm minimizing pain, minimizing how wrong someone was. I'm not advocating we become doormats. I'm not advocating that we live in a passive-aggressive society where we're always trying to hurt someone back and we do it indirectly so it's never quite clear that we're doing it, but we're doing it. How many you know what I'm talking about? But I do want you to see something here, that bitterness is a thief. 
That if you allow your, if you allow offense to transition and become the offended one in your relationship, if you let it stay there, it will rob you the way Jacob robbed Esau. It will rob you of what you hope for. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your trust. It will rob you of a better future. I've yet to meet a successful man who said, my bitterness got me here today. I've yet to meet, I've yet to be in a marriage coaching, um, counseling situation and found that the marriage was better because a couple allowed bitterness to grow up in their hearts. Wow. Man, an offense is an event. Offended is a reaction. Offended is a decision. And Jesus said, he has a better way for you in this world of offense. He has a better way for you. And and I, I just would love it if we as a church could get to a place where as believers, man, we're, we're not letting the reaction drive us. That like the Hebrew author who said, you know, don't, don't fail to miss the grace of God and allow a root of bitterness. Did you catch that? What a picture, right? You all know what like, like weeds are, right? I mean, have you ever had dandelions in your yard? I mean, as a kid, I used to love just popping those things off, but, but the truth is they grow back, right? Because we know this, there's a root structure. And unless you dig and get the root, that weed is gonna come back. Now, so here's what we do as good Americans. We, we just deal with the topical issues of our unhappiness, our bitterness, our discontentedness with people, the way people have hurt us. We just deal with it topically. We just say, well, I just won't go that way today. Or I won't, I won't talk to them today. Or I go, go to a different church. Or it is what it is. We, we have ways of coping with it where we don't ever go with the root of it. And the truth is, God wants you to go for the root. What is it that's causing you to be so bitter? It's poisonous. Some of you, you don't even have the, you're not even as warm and opening and as inviting in your personal life or in your homes because of the way you've been hurt. See, bitterness has created these, this consequence, this ripple effect in your life. And if you're not careful, someday, like Esau, you'll have these bitter tears because it's impossible now to go back. And so today, rather than living in the world of the offended, we want to live in the world of offense the right way. Come on. So I want to give you, I really want to tell you, by the way, one last thing, if you're really trying to get a handle on this, what is Hebrews telling us right here? He's telling us that, that the only way to dig up the root of bitterness is with a shovel of forgiveness. You're going to have to learn to forgive. Matter of fact, Paul said this to the, the Christians, um, the, the uh, Colossians, the Christians in, in Colossae. He said this in chapter 3, verse 13. I want you to write this verse down. Maybe this will be something you want to memorize during the week. Make allowance for each other's what? Make allowance. In other words, just know this. People are going to let you down. Quit putting people at a certain pedestal to where you just know it's, it's, it's unhealthy because they're human beings. Make, make allowance for others and forgive what? Some people? What's it say? Forgive anyone who what? Offends you. Remember, and I love this line, remember, come on, remember what God did for you. He doesn't keep a list of all the stupid stuff you did. 
And so he says, let's, let's draw on that strength of what Christ treated us. Let's treat others that way. I want to give you real quickly here four principles. Write these down. Four principles when offense comes. Because to live in the world of the offense, offenses are going to come. We just don't have to live in the world of the offended. What are our four responses? Here's the first one. Just principles real quickly. Write this down. Principle number one, forgiveness always. Forgiveness needs to be something we do what? Always. It should be instantaneous. And the more you exercise it, the better. Rick, are you saying that as soon as I forgive somebody, I'm going to feel um, okay towards them? No, it has nothing to do. Forgiveness has nothing to do with how you feel. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, oh, I so love these people. Go ahead, put the other spike in. No, he didn't. He didn't feel good. See, forgiveness, then he says, Father, forgive them. So it has nothing to do with emotions and feelings. It has everything to do with you being a Christ follower. It has everything with you carrying that hallmark of Christianity, this thing, beautiful thing called forgiveness. He says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must. It's not even an option for us. You must forgive others. And so if we're struggling with forgiving others, then that's cool, but let's be honest about that, and let's figure out why. What is it that's keeping us from being able to step in the inheritance, the birthright that God has given us? See, it's your choice. Forgiveness is you giving up your right to hurt another person. It's believing that God cares more about you than you. It's believing that God is a just and holy judge. It's not you letting people off the hook. It's just you recognizing you're going to let God take care of them. This forgiveness is an amazing way of letting go control. And can I just tell you, man, um, if you're waiting for an apology, you don't understand forgiveness. Christianity is the only religion that I know of that not just encourages but commands that you forgive people even if they never say they're sorry. Forgiveness, what? Always. Forgiveness, always. It's not a feeling. You don't wait for the warm fuzziness of kumbaya, my Lord. I mean, none of that. But here's the thing I do want you to recognize. This is the part sometimes people miss. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. I've said this before to our church. It's something that people have heard that right decisions bring right emotions. That doesn't mean the right emotions come right away. It's like the farmer who understands he's got he's to plow the land and he's got he's, he's to break up fallow ground and he's got to plant seeds. and It doesn't like poof, there immediately. Well, forgiveness is it's immediate but it's also a process, what God does in your heart. Matter of fact, I would tell you this, that most relational miracles happen on the other side of offense. In other words, if you're a Christian and you're in the house today, then you get this. I mean, God's miracle in your life didn't happen with you offending God. It happened with his forgiveness of you. And then something happened in your heart. Well, the same thing happens when you choose to forgive somebody. God begins to do a work in your heart. You free the Holy Spirit up to start now taking you to another level of emotional maturity. And it's a process. It takes time. For me, there, there are people that have hurt me that, quite honestly, I don't have to forgive them once and I'm done. It's not a one and done thing. It's like I forgive them every day. It's not because they, 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 they did something that was so despicable because my nature is such, I'm a justice guy. When I think injustice has been done, man, it bothers me. And so I have the tendency to want to be angry at that person or, and, and be honest, just maybe to hate that person. And the truth is, that's my nature. That's not good. So I choose to forgive daily. That's what forgiveness is all about. And then eventually what happens is you start realizing, you know what, when I'm around that person or I think of that person, it, 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 
it's, it doesn't create this visceral reaction anymore in me. And that's the process of God doing a work in you. And now you're praying for God's blessing on the very person that hurt you. It's beautiful. See, the miracle happens on the other side of a fence. God wants you to be a miracle. God wants you to be a testimony. He doesn't want you to be an Esau. That you trade this birthright you have to leverage a thing called forgiveness. Can I hear an amen from somebody? I love what, what Lewis Smead said. He said to forgive, I love this, is to set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner was you. So that's what really God wants. He, see, forgiveness is really a gift to your soul. And it's a measure of grace to another. But God longs for you to be able to experience that. The, you know, the, the, the disciples, they wrestled with this. They saw Jesus forgive people. And so Peter, thinking he's really smart, one time asked Jesus, and he's trying to act really spiritual. Hey, God, how many times should we forgive somebody? And you can find it in Matthew. And uh, Peter says, I bet, I bet seven times, right, Lord? That's the spiritual answer. And Jesus says, no, man, it's actually seven times 70. And Jesus is using some hyperbole here. In other words, no one's going to count seven times 70 times. But we can count up to seven times, because that's what we do, right? We, we, we keep a little book in our head. And Jesus says, no, forgiveness always, every time, all the time. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And God wants you to be able to experience that. So the first principle is what? Forgiveness? Oh, come on. Be excited about it. Forgiveness? Always. Thank you, Van Dorn. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Here's number two. Reconciliation, usually. Now, restoration, reconciliation is a restoration of friendly relations. It, it means there's, there's relationship again. It doesn't mean it's what it was. It just means there's a healthy building of relationship. Now, a little bit of a caveat, a word of caution here. This should not happen. Uh, reconciliation should not happen if the other person isn't owning their responsibility in the relationship. It's important you hear that. I've heard people say before, well, you know, um, you know, I, I've forgiven him, so, you know, and, and, and so now everything goes back to the, the way it was. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't operate that way. So realize this. Reconciliation takes two people. While forgiveness is instant and undeserved, trust must be what? Earned. Trust has to be earned, so it's going to take time. Why? Because trust takes time. So... If someone has forgiven, if you've forgiven somebody, don't assume immediately that means everything's the same. It's not. I've, I've talked to abused spouses before, and, and they've forgiven, say, their husband who abused them. And, and so, and they're starting to have relationship conversations again, so they're, it's, they're friendly. But that doesn't mean that wife should let that husband back in the home. Because we've got to see over time that his behavior has changed, that God has done a work in his life. See, so, so reconciliation doesn't mean everything's the back to normal. I've seen this happen with divorced couples when they go on with their lives and they eventually, eventually restore and have some kind of reconciliation with their, their relationships, but they don't necessarily get married again. So keep that in mind. And, and I want to say this. There are some of us in the house today that you, you tend to be an enabler. You think you're loving a family member. You think you're loving a friend because you think forgiveness means all of a sudden you treat them like everything's the same and there aren't different ground rules. And what you end up becoming is an enabler. You end up, man, allowing somebody to continue in their sin without any consequences. So if someone hasn't repented, you don't want to give them the same access to your life that they used to have, but you still forgive. 
and you try to bring some reconciliation. Now, here's the thing. If you are the person in the house right now and you know you've offended somebody, do you know what you have to do? You have to own it. And you've got to go to the person you've offended and ask them for forgiveness. Do me a favor. Don't say, I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Here's the difference. I'm sorry is a statement. Will you forgive me is a question. And it comes with a humility with you not knowing if they'll choose to forgive you or not. And God wants you in that place of humility. And and here's the thing, you're not responsible for them to forgive you. That's between them and God. You're only responsible to come with the humility. But that's good, church. This is what God longs for us. I love how, um, man, Jesus said it was such a big deal. He said, stop worship. Don't worship any longer. That if you have a gift you're going to put on the altar, man, just leave it on the altar. Don't worship any longer. Go to the person you've offended and ask for forgiveness. You can find that in the Gospels. This is a really big deal to him. So the first thing, forgiveness always. Reconciliation usually. Third one, reinstatement sometimes. Reinstatement sometimes. See, reinstatement means you place that person right back in the position they once had in your life. This is why I say sometimes is because it's not for everybody. You know, a school teacher who abused their authority and had sexual relationships with a student should probably never teach students again. It doesn't mean they're not forgiven. It doesn't mean there isn't reconciliation with some of the parents or the young people involved. But they probably don't be, they probably shouldn't be a teacher. So reinstatement sometimes means that they get exact same place they've had in your life before. And this isn't a usual thing, it's a sometimes thing. Here's what I really want you to understand. Forgiveness doesn't require reconciliation or reinstatement. So what's beautiful is God's giving you some boundaries. You can choose to forgive somebody, and maybe that moves then also to reconciliation, but that doesn't, even in the reconciliation, doesn't mean you've got to reinstate and put yourself and be vulnerable at the same place you were before with them. Are you, are you following this? It's a beautiful protection that God's given us in, in the Bible. And, and I've heard people say, well, forgive and forget. Folks, that's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible where it says you're to forgive and forget. That's not only not biblical, it's stupid. I mean, Paul, when he was talking about Alexander, the, the metal worker, he said, he said to, to Timothy, he said, man, Timothy, um, uh, he did much harm to me. He says, be careful of him. So Paul remembered what the metal worker did to him. Now, he'd forgiven him, but he didn't forget Paul, when he's addressing the Jews, uh, he said, you crucified Jesus. He didn't forget what they did. He knew they could crucify him too, but he still forgave. So you don't have to forget, but it's beautiful how your memories become so much more beautiful and, and, and protected when you start walking in, in this inheritance of forgiveness. Hmm. So good. So forgive always. Reconcile usually. Restate. Sometimes, here's the last one, revenge never. Revenge never. Revenge never. Forgiveness refuses to take revenge. Man, we, some of us, we live like the punisher. We've got that justice thing going so big in us that we always make people pay when they've hurt us. I grew up with two older sisters and I learned something really early. If, if they hurt me, I had to hurt them a lot worse or they'd do it again. And that is our culture to some degree. I mean, politicians, man, they're, they're all these smear campaigns. And, and, and we're not just going to hurt somebody. We're going to outright destroy them. 
TV, we grew up watching the revenge is this idea of sticking a knife in someone's back. But you know, we Christians, we're, we're more subtle than that, but we're just as deadly. We ignore people. We take moral high ground and assume we're better. We, we just talk despairingly. We, we make subtle comments. We look with disdain. Vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is not mine. God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's why we are called to be forgivers. We're called to be grace givers. That what we've gotten, we give freely. That when you're faithful with small, God gives you more. I want lots of grace. (laughs) I want to be a great grace carrier and giver. And forgiveness is forsaking revenge. It's not saying you're letting somebody get off the hook. You're just telling them you're going to let God take care of them. Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. In Ephesians, Paul put it this way. Chapter 4 said this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. And look at this word, tenderhearted. Some of us, we forgot what it's like to be vulnerable again because we've been so hurt. We're all closed off. And he's not, he wants you tenderhearted. Forgive, look, there's the key. Forgiving one another just as God, through Christ, forgave you. So Rick, how do I forgive? First, you you draw on the strength of how God forgave you. And then you make a decision. Don't expect trumpets to be sounded. Don't expect the carpet to be rolled out. Don't expect the people you forgive to treat you any differently. You You just forgive. And God does a work then in you. You see, Rick, well, how do I know if I'm wrestling with forgiveness? Well, Forgiveness is a lot like um, those who, you know, work with antiquity and they're digging up artifacts. They, they're, they're really good at pointing out, pointing out the past and they, under, they remember things with great detail. And if you're someone that you're still haunted and you got great details, maybe a smell or, or a sight or a person or a word, it sets you off because you've been so hurt. You remember all the details. That's a sign that maybe you're still needing to walk through some forgiveness of forgiving others. And here's what it also tells me. It tells me maybe you don't really fully understand God's forgiveness for you. That you're still trying to earn it. You're still thinking somehow you have a, you you can get some of this forgiveness. No, you can't. There are people in the house right now and you're dealing with some major offendedness. You've been living in the world of the offended. Maybe mom, dad, brother, sister, could be somebody that, that, that's been close to you. It could be that you've just gotten caught up in this culture of being offended, this world of being offended. And I would love to pray with you. And I'm just talking to Christ followers right now. If you're a Christ follower, and yeah, that's you. You're edgy. You're more irritable. Maybe you're like me. I was on Thursday night. You're just, you're quick right now to really judge those who you think they're hurting you or they're attacking you. It's a perspective that you have. I'd love to be able to to pray with you. So I'm going to have everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand in just a moment. Um, if you are dealing with some hurt, some pain as a Christ follower, and you're saying, hey, Rick, there's some people I need to forgive, and I really need to grow in this thing of being a grace giver. But I need grace right now, today, for that. Because you can't do it in your own strength. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise it up and keep it up. All kinds of hands all over the place. Don't be afraid or ashamed so natural for us to 
feel that pain. Father, for every hand that is up, here at Old Cheney, at Van Dorn, at West Point, those who are online, even God, who are wrestling with being offended, I ask you to do a work in them that only you can do. That as our hands are up, that we would not fail to receive the grace you have for us today. And we choose to be forgivers. Who's been forgiven much, forgives much. That's us, God. Thank you. God, bring healing in the hearts of those whose hands are up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Rick Lorimer from Christ Place. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.